Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim. And we did have a kind of an unexpected break, but we kind of needed it. Today, we are going to be discussing Warrior Girl Unearthed, which is by, I'm going to say her name wrong because I think I did it last time, Angeline, Angeline Boulay. I think it's Boleyne. Boley? Well, it's L-E-E-L-E-Y. Okay. Bully? Bully. Um, either way, I apologize. I'm not, I didn't think to look it up. This happens sometimes. Uh, it was published in 2023 by Henry and Holton Company. And if you'd like to hear more about this author, then you can go back to our episode called The Firekeeper's Daughter, which is kind of the first in this universe. And this is kind of a follow-up to it. The plot is when Perry crashes the car, her aunt, Domus, requires her to join the tribe internship program to pay her back. She is tasked with working with the seemingly eccentric Cooper Turtle. Cooper is attempting to get the remains of ancestors from the local college, but past secrets and teenage mistakes puts everything on the line for Perry and her twin Pauline. I feel there's a lot of pee popping there. All right, so let me pull up our handy dandy little Excel sheet. And Kim, what did you think of the plot? I loved this book. I um. You're assuming I'm not talking loud enough? Yes. I need to scoot closer? Yes. I can't. I like. I can hear you clearly, if that helps. Okay. So anyway. Love this I love this book. I thought um, it was well executed. I thought it was a great carry-on to the previous book. Um, yeah, I loved it. Okay. What about you, Sarah? I enjoyed it. Did you just say you enjoyed it? Yes. Okay. It sounded like I you said you annoyed it. Thing, I say one thing and you already are asking me to repeat myself after you said you would try not to do that. Um, <laughs> to be fair, it yes. cut in such a way that it sounded like you said you annoyed it. And I was like, that is not an accurate sentence. Grammatically, does that make sense? Does that no. Like Neither does a sentence I would say. Okay, okay, okay. So don't be obnoxious. We're glitching on this end. We're yeah. in a hotel room, so the internet is not great. Okay, so you enjoyed it. What did you enjoy about the plot? Are you asking me? And you're looking in my direction, so I assume so. <laughs> I just want to confirm. Okay. Yeah. You were the last person um, who spoke about plot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the stuff with Perry um, interning with Cooper and learning about not necessarily her history, you know, their history, because I feel like she already had that, but, you know, just the repatriation of artifacts and remains and such like that was that was good um and I, I just I like that part of the book which is a major portion of it obviously I found it more interesting than what was going on in Firekeeper's Daughter not like by a tremendous amount but um I just I did find it a little bit more uh I don't want to say engaging, but just, I don't know. I was a little bit more interested in what was going on um, to a point. And then, yeah. Interesting. Um, we were actually banking on you not liking this one as much as Fire's Keeper's Daughter. Well, I didn't, I definitely was dis disappointed for a portion towards the end. Why is that? Because it just felt like a repeat of what she did with the first book. Like, oh, okay. these characters got, or she got captured and is being held and has to get free, which I'm pretty sure happened to Donis in the first book. Although I think she was trapped in like a trailer or something by the bad guy or in some guy's house. I don't remember. No, it was a hotel room and he raped her. Yeah, but I thought there was another part later on where she was captured, held captive. Um, oh no she had to escape from her cousin's house when she was trying to figure out if he was the one responsible hmm. it just uh 
yeah, I couldn't remember the details, but it just, I felt like I was reading what something I'd already read before from this author. Right. And I was just like, this isn't, I'm disappointed that this is like the climax. It just, maybe not even the climax. Um, no, it just felt probably the, the peak, the climax, yeah. that would be the and, high uh, point. So I, I yeah, I just, I, I wish she had spooled that out a little bit more differently i guess just to be a bit more creative distinctive from the first installment okay so this was actually my second time rereading this i had already read this once before um and i think i like this one better than the first one which i didn't think was possible because like i loved the first one um, but this one, I definitely had more emotions to the plot and I feel like I got to know Perry a little bit better than Donis, particularly because I feel like the romantic subplot was not as much of a driving factor as it was in Firekeeper's Daughter, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Oh, good. You are paying I attention mean, and not just playing games on your phone. <laughs> I have told you, you don't get to, you don't get to judge my, whatever it's called, when I entertain myself while listening to y'all talk. Because <laughs> if I have to stare off into the nether regions of the universe, yeah, I'll, I'll, my brain will go elsewhere rather than actually listening to you. <laughs> okay. As long as you're actually listening. I am. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think I, I liked this one better. I also have like a lot of emotional response to it which I will get to a little further on based off of information I know from my master's program um but I like I don't know I liked the characters better in this one so I, I did say I also like this one she was oh. nope go ahead go I just I like Perry. I thought she was bit of a badass and I was like yeah she's a cool character uh the other characters I didn't really have much of an opinion on but she was cool okay what were you gonna say Kim that this I also preferred this one to Firekeeper's Daughter which is saying a lot because I loved Firekeeper's Daughter so yeah I love this book um I love the characters I like the fact that we're learning lessons moral lessons cultural lessons historical lessons without it feeling like it's a big it's not a soapbox yeah it's not a preach fest it's it's this is the realities of life and and the the life that these women have to lead in their in their culture and yeah and I, our culture as a large yeah yeah by proximity yeah so yeah very good very good book i enjoy it a lot go ahead all right well then kim what's your rating for plot um shit oh i have to look at the thing because yeah i'm just gonna throw tens at it left right and center um and that means i have to go through i should have been doing this instead of playing games on my phone i'm not gonna say anything where you could say it here you go um, no never mind. there we go i know i can't read that from here just a second where is there, there you it go. is i got it oh no nope, i'm good okay okay let's see let's go down that's a definite yes did you like it enough to want to revisit yes oh did it stand out or impress you with its quality my attention was grabbed yes did it really blow you away yes was this an all-time personal favorite of Can yours you yes are talking to herself yeah okay 10 10 okay Sarah, what was yours? Eight. Eight? Okay. Mine was a ten. Okay, so main characters. Do we want to see that as just Perry? Do you want to include anyone besides Perry? I think it's Who just else Perry. you include? Yeah. I don't know. Donis, Pauline, Eric. I think we're Cooper. in this. That's why I Eric was and asking. A little more, but yeah. Okay, so just Perry. Just Perry. So what are our feelings on Perry? I mean, we kind of touched on it already. She's um, kind of badass. I like that we had a different 
biracial individual because Donis was white and indigenous. And then we have Perry, who is black and indigenous. Um, so I kind of liked that diversity within the family is the only way I can say that or think to say that. Well, and I really appreciated the fact that when the when the author was writing this, the author is, I don't know if she's 100% Ojibwe, but she is, she doesn't. She's actually Chickawa. Oh, is she Chickawa? She's I think Chickawa. she was Ojibwe. Um, but she was she, looking at it earlier. She, uh, she, she, if she is biracial, she is not biracial black. Um, and so while it was fully acknowledged that um, Paul, Perry. Perry Perry was biracially black, she didn't really address other than to say the difficulties that Perry had. So she yeah. wasn't, she didn't fall into a, a mistake that a lot of writers make by trying to write um, about uh, my brain just has gone numb. Um, she didn't fall into trying to write a culture she doesn't know anything about. She just, you know, kind of addressed it for what it was. So yeah, and there was a level of like stepping back that I liked to it because, and it was addressed with Grandma Cake. I think it's because she goes, Dad, what kind of cake did Grandma Cake actually like? You know, and he's like, Well, you know, I I don't. Yeah, Grandma Cake being her black ancestor. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so that exploration without acting as mm -hmm. if Perry had all of the knowledge, her really, her key experience was she knew she looked darker even than her own twin, mm -hmm. which I also thought was interesting. Um, and that she could see the almost extra otherness that her father experienced, mm -hmm. but not necessarily in a bad way. No. So I liked that. Um, I liked how Perry was with her entire family. She was just kind of no nonsense kind of person, even if it led to mistakes. Do you agree, Sarah? Do you have other thoughts on Perry? Like I said, I liked her. I thought she was written well for like a teenage character in how she acted, what she did. Um, I liked that she succumbed to the temptation of like stealing the uh the baskets back um mm -hmm. the the seeds what did she of oh, the i think it was a another basket from the uh the one little shop yeah she she stole the basket from the shop that was her grandmother great grandmother's she stole the baskets who she could recognize the names as being from um sugar island and she stole the seeds yeah and then yeah, the heist I've, towards the end or attempted heist. Yeah, right. That was, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like that she kind of did that. Um, but at the same time, like as she goes through the story, you know, she grows as a character too and kind of recognizes that there's a different way that she needs to go about um like getting the warrior girl back uh yes i think she learned to control so, her impulsiveness by the end of the story instead yeah. of just acting she had she had to finally start thinking yeah thinking yeah ahead mm -hmm. more than the immediate and also listening I, I think that's the big thing is she when she starts out she just wants it her way she doesn't appreciate what Donis is trying to teach her. She doesn't doesn't unappreciate experience. Cooper. Yeah, um, she just had such a teenage response to it, and I kind of loved that for her. Is that recognition that the brain is not fully developed, and the reason why she wanted to do the things was completely and a hundred percent reasonable. The problem was the way she wanted to do it. Um, and she kept trying different ways, like, okay, you know, I'm just going to take these seeds. Oh, shit, I shouldn't say anything. I need to learn to, you know, if I do something like that, not to speak. Yeah, when she when she told him that she took the seeds, I'm like, girl, did you just think about what you just said out loud? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, 
I reread that like three times because I was like, was that supposed to be a thought? And they actually put like quotations around it. And I was like, has she told him that before? And I was like, did or did she just like confess to stealing? And this is the yeah. first time she's mentioned it to him. And then like later on, I was like, oh, yep, yep. That's, yep. Yeah. that's what that was. Control so, those impulses. <laughs> so then she takes the basket from the store that's her great grandmother's. And like she doesn't say anything until Eric asks her about it, but she learns that she can't be impulsive. She actually needs to think through the consequences of what she's doing in the moment. Yep. So then she gets to stealing the other baskets, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna think this through. This timing is perfect. I can slip in there. This is gonna I'm go only well. Gonna steal the ones that I, I, you I know, know, are important <laughs> that I know can come back to us and should be coming back to us, and and that doesn't quite work. And then she kind of learns, okay, maybe I can't. This isn't something I can do just by myself. So like, let's plan this out. <laughs> like, like there was reasonable steps with each like lesson she learned. <laughs> until she got to the end and she was like okay maybe it's just like the stealing process is just not <laughs> not a good choice <laughs> not a good choice as much as you completely sympathize with the stealing because this is her ancestors in her, with her grandmother yeah, or great grandmother or great grandmother yeah. reclamation literal actual stealing right. right yeah so i could understand why she was at that point where she was just like but but it's ours why this isn't stealing. Yeah, this, taking this back. Yeah, returning. This is taking back. Yeah, um, I, I could see her reasoning. However, <laughs> other people had different views on that reasoning. One of my favorite moments, which isn't quite on topic, other than it was a conversation she had, is I loved her whole reasoning of like, well, if they're going to keep our ancestors, we should go get one of theirs. Yeah, I love that. And one. Cooper going, what would we do with them? why would we want that it's not like we don't have their entire culture in front of us all the time we don't need to study their their uh their remains to figure out who they are or what you know yeah part of me like my response was like yeah no you want to dig up my ancestors because you might be able to learn something cool you do that like yeah (laughs) but I'm like but no at the same time why would you want to know about us (laughs) Kim wants to know what book you're looking at. I'm pretty sure it's Iron Flame. Is it? Can you guess from the solid black rectangle? No, no. But I'm pretty sure it's Iron Flame. It's Iron Flame. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We can't see the page one twenty-two. Oh, oh, you took the dust jacket off. Moving along. Oh, you took the. Okay. I saw the map. That's when I knew it was Iron Flame. You're just moving right along. Far from the end. so fucking far you guys you're gonna make it you can do it i believe in you <laughs> just stop thinking and just read i hate it but then i don't I actually remember anything well we're not discussing that one right now yes this is true this is true okay so true. what <laughs> any other final thoughts on perry Mm-mm. okay you sarah any final thoughts on perry Oh, no, sorry, I had you minimized because I was looking at the chart. Okay, so what do you rate Perry then? Um, like a 7.5. Okay, Kim? So, you know, I, I don't want to just sit here and go 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. But a lot of this, when we look at this chart, is are you going, basically coming down to, are you going to read it again? I most assuredly will really read both of these books again and probably anything else she comes out with. Um, So talking about Perry particularly, is it her that's going to draw me back to this book is the only way I can break this down? Um, Probably not her that's drawing me back to the book. So I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. I'm going to give it a 10 because I already know it will draw me back in. I already know that she is part of the component as to why it draws me back in. So, so secondary characters, all other characters, all of them. What were your thoughts, Sarah? I mean, they were there. Um, I liked Cooper. Uh, It it was nice to see Donis again. Uh, once I remembered who she was, <laughs> um, 
but other than that, no one really stood stood out to me very much. So I just Not you know Chauncey. Cha I think that's how it was said. Who I don't you know. The the, 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 the oh. friend. Cool. Chauncey. Yeah, actually, I did like her. Breastfeeding. Oh, yeah, she was kind of funny. Oh, she was very funny. I loved her. <laughs> I did like her, actually. I don't know why I forgot her completely, but um, she was a strong point for the book. So, yeah, actually, I liked her more than Cooper, in fact. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, she was cool. Yeah, I, I liked her a lot, too. I liked her. I liked Cooper. Um, I, I thought... Oh, go ahead. Web was interesting, and then I I didn't like dislike or like Eric. Like he was perfectly acceptably fine. I don't think he has quite the same like draw that Jamie did. Jamie, first yeah. one, but like I was still like I could see where he counters Perry as a person. Um, and then I liked the juxtaposition of how chill perry is to how wound up pauline is and how they both clearly experienced very similar things but took very different paths on how to react um so i kind of adored pauline for that and could relate to pauline uh, yeah i was gonna i was gonna say i really liked her sister and the struggles that she was going through um that were so different than her sisters and and you know you get these stereotypes of twins they're either going to be just alike or they're going to be exact opposite and i really don't feel like these two were exact opposite one was just an overachiever and one was yeah i'm just gonna get through life the way i can so she wasn't a screw-up she wasn't you know meaning perry wasn't a screw-up in contrast to pauline's success but it was poor pauline who who took the brunt of a lot of other people's decisions, even though she was doing all the right things. Yeah. Um, she was getting punished for it. Yeah. When things weren't going smoothly. Well, and I feel like Perry went, you know what? She's the one who's standing out. I got her back. Like, yeah, like yeah. she clearly actively made a choice of this is who Pauline is. And I can either strike against that in terms of like butting heads mm -hmm. or I let Pauline do Pauline and I'm here doing what I want to do. Yep. I agree. So I like that. Any other? Oh, I loved because I didn't realize Auntie was Donna's until they were sitting at the picnic table and Donna's was doing her hair. Uh, and all of a sudden, because she said, I, I don't I would have to look it up and I didn't have it in written form with me. But um, I, uh, I was like, wait a minute wait a minute, is that Donis? And then I uh, went down the rabbit hole of digging up the other book, looking through it and putting everything together. And then I fell into the rabbit hole of Donis's son and who the father is. <laughs> and the fact that we don't know where Jamie is, but the clues are that Donis's son is Jamie's son, whether those two are not together now or not, because clearly they're not because she's getting with somebody else. Um, yeah, no, I loved that. I loved that. And I love the fact that this writer was so good at just putting the little things in the story rather than blink, blink, blink. Here it is. You know, here's the tie back. Here's here's, you know, the hints and all of that. She just it was just there. And then if you wanted to look into it, you could if you didn't, if you remembered really well, which we all know, I don't remember a book from last week. Um, you know, or you could look into it like I did, which is what I, I did. I enjoyed it. See, what's really funny for me is I suspected who they were because at some point before Donna shows up, Perry says, I'm Perry Firekeeper. And I was like, Firekeeper, that yeah, but it's Firekeeper something. And so and I didn't yeah. know if Firekeeper was a standard name or if that was a family See, name. I knew it was a, I knew it was a family name. I was like, okay, I'm not sure where we are in terms of like timeline wise. I'm like, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure there were twins in the first book. Yeah. And so I was thinking already that we had done a bit of a, a time jump to it. Um and then Donis was there braiding her hair. I was like, yep, yeah, okay, I was right. There was a little bit of a time jump here. I was like, okay, cool. So, did you care about any of that, Sarah? Or did you just read through? Just read through. I, I mean, mean 
I was curious to know what the time jump was. So I did look it up and I was like, oh, okay, it's been 10 years. Um, and that's about as much as I looked into it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, what do you rate the secondary characters? I would rate them a... Oof. I guess a seven because of Shansi, but pretty much only because of her. Otherwise, it would have been lower. Okay. Kim? I'm going to give him a nine. A nine? I'm going to give him a nine, too. And mostly just because Eric doesn't hold up quite as well as a love interest, but not a terrible love interest. Um, now we have plausibility. Well, it's it's completely plausible. Because we already know that that there are universities that have um, remains well, and artifacts. Nearly positive. All of the quotes at the beginning of each chapter are actual mm -hmm. writings. Yeah. Um, well, and the other thing, and this is where, like, when the first time I read this, I was just so angry. So in my master's for library and information science, one of the classes I took was an introduction to archiving. And... Part of that was talking about how do you handle interacting with groups and the materials that you have from them or the materials or information you're trying to obtain from them and like what is a respectful way to do this. And there's what's called the old guard and the new guard and the old guard like they're slowly starting to retire but still kind of have this mindset of like well we obtain this information and it's information and everyone should share it. And appreciate it and then there's more of the new guard stance which is like okay we need to be helping we need to be compensating people for the information they're providing for us when they tell us no this is not something that is supposed to be shared outside of our community we should be pulling it instantly um so this was very much like the old guard still in control kind of situation mm -hmm. and i was so angry at what they were doing i was like go back to school you bastards <laughs> even though they weren't cooking in the school um and just like all of the loopholes and stuff and i just like oh my god oh man when, be so when they angry. talk the loophole that the smithsonian has that they, oh, they yeah. don't have to repatriate i was just like oh that's just yeah, yeah why why because it's the smithsonian institution they get they get a pass in all of this and they get a key because yeah. they probably have the most of everything yeah yeah um, they do and yeah that, that was that was a hard one to take Yes, but so. uh, yeah, th this book obviously is plausible because it's based, although it's a fictional book, it's based hard in reality. So yeah, what do you think, Sarah? Did you find it plausible? Uh, I did. Um, I find it very plausible. the The one place that it did kind of skew into comical for me, and this could still be entirely plausible. It just it just felt cartoonish to me was the fact that this guy was keeping these skeletons, which again, I can understand that, but like he was keeping them in a silo on display with just a silly chair in the middle so he could swivel around and admire them. And like, sure, I, I would not be surprised if that actually did happen in real life, but it just feels so much like a comic book villain sort of thing to do that like, I just... Yeah, it took I me could, out I of the realism a little one. bit. Yeah. Um, like her finding the teeth in cereal boxes impacted me a lot more emotionally. Like that had a much deeper impact, mm -hmm. just like the level of disrespect and totally, totally could see that happening. Like totally makes sense. Horrible. And then it was just like this, like, look at this evil man who just likes to look at these skeletons in his little chair. And I just, I don't know. That was the one part. Where it kind of lost me a little bit. I'm going to defend that weird choice only in the sense that... Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> we, as a nation, have had a weird desire and fascination of putting skeletons, remains, and oddities on display for the sake of, like, just staring at it. And the number of, like, random stores that had like just even just like outlaws 
Jesse James, what have you, whoever. And they were like, come see the remains of so-and-so. Like it just, it does not surprise me because it's not uncommon for our nation to have a weird fascination with displaying bodies just for the sake of like saying they we have them. And then we have a whole lot of Americans who have a weird fascination with Native, Native American culture. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't even begin to delve into the psychology of it. Um, you know, I had aunts and uncles, we did our DNA thing and they were, they thought for sure that there was Native American blood in the family. And when we came back as nearly a hundred percent Irish, they were just like, oh no. And then jealous because, uh, my husband, Mike, he, he has a small percentage like of Native 2%, American, like, like 2%, like, like very little. I think actually I popped for more Isn't than that. Isn't that with the margin of error? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah okay are we gonna delve into how they do it yeah so how they do it is there is samplings samplings and it's comparing certain genetic markers and on there you have where you can get a less than two percent which is where my dad is at where it's like a couple of times your test because they actually run the test multiple times uh connected zero times with this genetic marker that they we're marking as being authentically indigenous. Now, granted, the other thing I'm going to point out is indigenous is anywhere from South America through North America. Um, and it's indigenous to Native Americans. Americas, yeah. the Americas, which includes yeah. Mexico, Central America, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's mine, which I think was at like 2 to 3% and didn't have that. I tested as zero once or twice every time. I had one, I had at least a genetic marker that matched, but, but still a small, if you're unbelievably... looking at it, the way it works, the way anything like this would work, half of her DNA comes from her dad. So if she has two to 3%, he has to have more than that. It's just the way it works. But when they pull the sampling, when his sample, cause they don't, they don't run your entire DNA code. They can't, it's too big, especially for the number of people that they do. So for his sampling, his numbers came that low. For her sampling, her numbers came that high. Um, but again, it's still it's still never a claim to Native American culture because that's yeah. not how it works. The whole, as they talk about it in these books, blood quantum thing is not a, is not, not a reality thing. It's it's a made up thing. Well, and as we talk about regularly in our family, we know that we have on my dad's side ancestors whose names are Maria Concepcion Ortiz from new mexico so like even if it is indigenous we're not talking like united states america this easily could be north south north you know the mexico area or central america like we don't know other than claims but, but, what, this all, but all, what this all comes down to is america's fascination with connection to native american heritage they they for as much as we came here and we decimated the Native Americans. Um, we now have a whole slew of people that want to be a part of that culture and want to claim it for their own when it's not their own. Yeah, like we we have no no claim, no claim. Yeah. I would never be like I'm part of this tribe. No. <laughs> anyway, so, we digress. But that's where that plausibility comes in. Is I I do believe that there could be white people out there just chilling with things on display for well, the and sake. That's, that's the other thing. There are a lot of people that are in the stupid rich level who have um, artwork. Museums. I mean, personal what, museums. What um, was it? Um, da, 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 da. Michael Jackson had like a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. You know, I, and I, I, oh yeah. Well, was I think he bought Nicholas Cage, I think bought michael jackson's i i don't remember it's it's a long convoluted thing but the point is the obsession with with hoarding stuff by the uber rich is is an is a factual thing we know it's a thing so to have this one person be kind of the weirdo about that culture yeah that and clearly had a fetish for it on top of that yeah yeah well there's that too but anyway so, so yeah, plausibility. So what do you rate plausibility, Sarah? 
You're asking me first every time. No, I ask him first the first time. The first time. Then for characters, primary character and secondary <laughs> character, you asked me the first time. Yep. <laughs> I'm looking at the chart right now. That's why it's... I know. Yep, yep. Okay. It's hard because like these prompts don't really apply in a plausibility scale. Yep. You're the one who picked the chart. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't know that there's one that's going to be specific for plausibility. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a nine. A nine? Okay. Kim? Um, ten. I think it's every inch of it. It's absolutely plausible. I uh, give it a ten as well. Ending. Kim, what did you think of the ending? Shit, you can't go with me first. I don't remember the ending. Tell me what happened. Oh, you can't ask me. I hadn't got a chance to finish reading Levine's second listen. Um, what happened at the end? Sarah, what was the ending? Because <laughs> um, I don't remember. Golly. I'll give my uh, number first. Just remind me what well, happened. Well, she escapes because her stinky yeah. dog finds her in the pit. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Disgusting oh, dog. In the pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept talking about. Um, they get out of the pit. They find out that Webb was collaborating with someone to sell remains. Mm -hmm. um, okay. The remains that they recovered from the silo were stolen mid-transit, but then they also managed to recover them by like the time of the epilogue, it sounded like, or most of them. And they were yeah. doing their ritual to get them ready um i i honestly don't know how those two things connected though because it was implied that they were stolen and they didn't know where they were and then suddenly they had gotten them and i don't know i thought they were in the back of the details. van and somebody drove off with the van webb drove off with the van and they managed to find him and recapture or yeah the only thing was missing was... no i thought webb he got attacked by whoever was helping him helping no, and, uh, no. Like, he took he... off with the van, and then the deal went bad or something. The van was missing. Oh, yeah, but they but they were able to track it down. The only thing they weren't able to like track down, but Perry knows where it is, was the um pipe, and that's because oh, this, yeah, Stormy, Stormy took it. it. Yeah, yeah, but she didn't like rat him out. Okay, so. Yeah. Okay, and so then... what did I think of the ending? I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting ending. Um, I I like that they went with the big heist and that they all kind of jumped on board with it. It it, it was just like, shouldn't at least one of you kind of go, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe we Eric. should just tell somebody. Did he? Eric was like, let's not do it because I'm on parole. And then yeah. Red was like, yeah, you have to do it because otherwise, got blackmailed into it. Yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I enjoyed the ending. I really did. Was it a little Scooby-Doo-ish? Yes. Um, but I still enjoyed it. So this is what I'll say, because the ending is probably the most absurd point in the entire story. However, when this book was being advertised, it was like Laura Croft's Croft meets the indigenous population yeah. and so like it was the Laura Croft moment and so I was okay with that mm -hmm. because I have been waiting for that like Laura Croft vibe to come in and so I was like okay this is this is the big moment this is the moment where the author is reminding me that this is fiction and she can give this a happier ending yeah and I want to allow her to give me this happy ending so that was kind of my feelings reading it. What did you think of the ending, Sarah? I mean, like you said, it was a little Scooby-Doo-ish. And as you can tell, there were some details that I couldn't really follow all the way through. And I was a little confused by, uh, mainly, again, just how they found the skeletons again after they had allegedly disappeared. Um, but so, yeah, the heist part, again, it kind of lost me. I was just like, this is a little much. <laughs> and then um but i did like the end where you know everyone is getting ready to you know take care of the uh the skeletons that they somehow recovered um 
I also really love the implication that this is this is Perry's passion now that she is going to work to better the reclamation process in some capacity. I think maybe the author. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it seems like she's going to try to do it from the inside um, Mm -hmm. rather than stealing stealing stuff not again (laughs) recovering it single-handedly um rather you know which will have a better impact or you know a bigger impact if you can actually change the system from inside rather than just chip away um yeah that's all i had to say so i was just going to say i think the author maybe intentionally took this more into as we keep saying a scooby-doo type thing to remind the reader this is 100 fiction these, you know, these these circumstances are real. These situations are real. Um, the the girls being taken, or or just people of color disappearing, that is real. Um, but this isn't real. This is a fiction story. So we're going to take it a little bit over the top here to remind the reader and to maybe pull the reader back from because it was pretty intense. Yeah. All of it was was pretty intense. I mean, when she was in that house and going through that stuff and was just finding box in like you said cereal boxes of teeth and and just just stuff and that was really hard to read my 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 soul was wrenching over that one because it's just like can you imagine if it was your ancestors and and you're just you're just finding pieces of them everywhere just be awful like i would say like it would be awful but i also like don't i don't know that it would bother me okay but like i don't have any connection to like ancestors or anything like that not even grandparents because like i never really knew them growing up so if if i did find my grandparents skeleton in someone's random house i don't know how much i would actually care that much but obviously that's not applicable to like their situation i would say i care more about how it affects someone else than it would actually affect me if 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 for reason like for knowledge research purposes someone wanted to go say go dig up my grandfather so i think that the, the well, difference i'm burned <laughs> cremated the word is cremated <laughs> i think what I, i'm more focusing on is the fact that their culture has been so oh. raped and pillaged right exactly. oh yeah over this over the century centuries yeah. centuries remember centuries is hundreds of years so yeah so it would be eons that i was thinking that was bigger but it's not eons just don't look at me like that eons is massive i know in my brain i was conflating eons and centuries all right just skip over the millennia altogether anyway (laughs) good god um (laughs) so i that's where it is It, it isn't so much that i imagine me if i were to encounter my cremated father's bones that would (laughs) mystify me because yeah um it's it's the fact that it is such a violation of their entire heritage oh yeah 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 most definitely that i i like breaks my heart but i think that's why we kind of got that more scooby-doo moment yeah all of this started trying to yeah rein it in a little bit and make it not quite so I was so excruciating. Was so fucking glad when Grant was killed. <laughs> that was very satisfying. I know it wasn't maybe supposed to be so satisfying. Oh but... no, I think it was totally intended to be yeah. satisfying. He's the one that raped Donna's. I think yeah. that was. I I, I like feel bad for the father, the one who had done it. Done what? Killed Grant. Oh, killed Grant. Yeah, no, I felt bad for him too. But I, yeah, no, I, I think that was. Yeah, completely intentional okay. as far as giving that satisfactory moment. I think that a lot of the readers at the end of Firekeeper's Daughter were dissatisfied that he never, other than getting the blanket party, um, he never, he was not punished. Yeah. In a, a real world sense. Yeah. So, Kim, what do you rate the ending? Ten. Ten. Sarah, what do you rate the ending? get that chart back up here um no i'll give it an eight an eight okay i give it a 9.5 
which seems silly, but it's the facts. Mechanics. I don't even know what to say. She's a great writer. Yeah, the, the pacing's fantastic. The flow's fantastic. It's very much written with a young adult audience in mind. So while they're tough topics, there is a softness to the topics that I would want for young readers, young adult readers. These books will be in classrooms if Firekeeper's Daughter is not already in classrooms. Yeah. This book will follow shortly thereafter. This is yeah. this is a great series of multicultural books to throw into classrooms. Yes. To, uh, I don't know. Why don't what, you know? Why? The only reason I said is because like it very explicitly mentions rape and I just feel like someone's going to be like, oh, this book has sexual themes. And then and by they someone, I mean like a parent. Handmaid's Tale in, in high school. So if, if you can do Handmaid's Tale. Currently, be because fired. I didn't ever have to read Handmaid's Tale. I did. I read. I actually taught Handmaid's Tale. Um, and but I was like you, I was like, really, this book's going to be taught. And and what the teacher did was sent a note home and any parent that said that they didn't want their child to participate in it. They were excused from that section of what we taught. They they were yeah. they had to leave the room. None of the teacher, none of the parents said no. So everybody learned it. But um, you can teach this. You just have to make the parents aware. Well, and I'm sure, you know, there are certain states that I get, it can't I be taught in like right now. I just feel like it's so much more polarized now that it's like, if you did send that home, some parent is going to throw a snit about it to the principal and then like threaten to do the school. Like I said, and in it's some states, school, it's not going to be taught. They back the fuck down and be like, oh, we're sorry. We won't mm -hmm. teach this. Completely off topic, but I lacked the fact, oh, liked, lacked that. You said lacked. I loved the fact, lacked. There you go. Um, that Laverne James? I have no idea what we're talking about, so you can't ask me. What's his name in Star Trek? LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton, thank you. I was like my brain. <laughs> I don't know who we're talking about. Because <laughs> he was doing the speech for the National Picks for Books this year, and he goes, is there any Mothers of Liberty in the audience? He paused. And then went good because hands were gonna be thrown. He was yeah, he was ready to go. He was gonna get into a fist fight on the stage with. The, yeah. And I'm just like, this man is so iconic for reading Rainbow and like wanting to just impart reading. And he was like, if you are in this audience, you will. This is not gonna end well for you. And I was just like, yes, that's what reading should be is yeah. openness. Yeah. So. My answer to all of these people is if you have a problem with what your children are reading, maybe read it first and then decide. And then you get to decide whether your ch your child reads it. Don't tell me what my child can read. Because the one thing I can guarantee, I was reading all of the books my kids read um, so that I could have conversations with about them. You know, it wasn't just you're going to read whatever you read and nobody will know the difference. My, parent, my parents didn't know what I was reading. Um, <laughs> Every once in a while, I would hide so I could read certain books because, you know, they were oh, the books we don't, you know, we're not supposed to read. And I didn't want them to catch me reading them. But I you just... were allowed to read whatever you wanted to read. <laughs> I'm like, you gave me Flowers in the Attic. I feel yeah. like after that, all bets were off. <laughs> Flowers in the Attic is a good book <laughs> if you like that kind of story. But anyway, so no. Um, what were we ta we're talking mechanics. about? Mechanics. No, I think she's a great writer. I think it'll end up in schools if it isn't already. All right. So, Kim, what do you rate mechanics then? Oh, wow. That was fast. Sarah? Eight. Eight? Okay. I give it a 10, too. Just like I can't find flaw in it. Predictability. Unlike another book we read recently. Oh, my God. We're not talking about that book yet. <laughs> you guys will have your dedicated time to I'm looking forward rant to it. about it, and I will just sit here shaking my head. So, no, predictability. I didn't find it. I mean, it was words, form, full sentences, not been my suit today. So I'll say everything was like a pretty solid flow predictability. But when it came down to it and her and Chauncey were in the pit, yeah. I legitimately was like, oh no, 
I'm terrified where this is going and I'm not sure because she had already thrown us into Donna's being great that I was yeah. like this this could go there and I was I was so, not sure so this makes me I because I, I wanted to mention this as we talked about this there is such a um thing in Native American culture about Wendigos mm -hmm. and whether you talk about them or not whether they're mystical or not whether you know and there's this thing I loved absolutely loved that a person of Native American culture addressed openly what a Wendigo is and yeah. a Wendigo is a bad bad thing yeah and oh I loved it but it did add to that women do disappear they do die they they end up where they end up and nobody knows where that is so yeah. yes when it came to her those two women in that in that i wasn't sure they were coming out yeah i wasn't sure both of them were going to make it out i wasn't sure i wasn't know. sure who i wanted to make it out yeah. if, if both of them couldn't make it out like yeah. it was it was it was a pleasant unpredictable and it could have been a sacrifice that Perry, Perry was a character that I felt could sacrifice herself mm -hmm. um, for others of yeah. her, of her tribe, of her culture. Um, so yeah, for me, there was that nervousness, but that predictability was unpredictability was, was a good thing. I enjoyed yeah. it in the story. What about you, Sarah? I mean, it all pretty much happened as expected, but like not, not in a way that was obnoxious where everything is spelled out ahead of time for you. And then it's just not even like that, but like where it's trying very hard to be deceptive about things, mm -hmm. but it's like, oh, well, you're only mentioning this because it's obviously going to come back up again, like in the third act as the solution. Um, you know, those kind of books, which yeah, drive me nuts. Um, I don't know what so she's referencing. <laughs> she may not be worried about what she's referencing. <laughs> um, but, that was so a hard was... eye roll. That was pleasant. <laughs> no, you rolled your eyes. That wasn't even an eye roll. I was actually rubbing my eye. Oh, okay. and, uh, I thought you had yeah, my eye. So, so I was very confused by the laughter there. I was like, oh, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you looked like you were in pain for a second. So that's why I was laughing as you were processing what we were saying and how it would affect you. That's why I laughed. <laughs> anyway, anyways, this is predictability for you. Did you ask a question? Or did you make a statement? Because I didn't understand any of those words, to be honest. <laughs> I was oh, prompting you to continue. Up, so I can see that you may have said something. I was prompting you to go ahead and continue. Oh, okay. Our internet is very laggy, so our react or someone's internet yeah. connection is lagging. <laughs> I think it's us. <laughs> our reactions are like ten seconds off from each other. Um, so I would say it was a mostly pleasant read. Uh, in terms of predictability, even though it's like I don't know, I I was not worried in the pit. Um just kind of annoyed that it felt like the first book all over again and that was the one spot where it, not really a predictable thing though or a predictability issue I don't know that was the one part that I just I'm not a fan of but um okay yeah yeah okay so Kim what do you rate your predictability let me give it a nine a nine okay Sarah can you guess? A 7.5. That's what I was going to guess, too. Sure, I'll go with that. <laughs> what were you going to go with? I wasn't really sure. Um, possibly <laughs> an 8. But okay. I wasn't sure about it. And then, you know, you said 7.5. I was like, yeah, that seems, that seems good. I'm gonna I just feel like I was doing nine. 8 a lot. Yeah, that's why I was like, uh, well, everything eight, else has been eight. eight. Ends with it, it starts with I mean, it was great. Yeah, and I don't, I didn't get that from mm -hmm. you, that feeling from you. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I liked it, but it didn't really stand out. So that's seven. So I think. Oh, you know what? I should have done a seven. I should have done a seven for predictability. If you want a seven, you want a seven point five. 
I said 7.5, yeah. Okay, I don't know. Let's do 7.5. <laughs> I'm I'm deciding. You made me pick your number for you, so I've I've committed your number. Okay. Okay. So what about emotions? I, as I said, I had emotions. I had feelings. I like, yeah. Me too. What about you, Sarah? Any emotions, any feelings? Um, yeah. Uh, like I said, the part of the house where she was like, again, the cereal boxes and the teeth that, but also like when she was in the, uh, the store with like the moccasins and, mm -hmm. um, was it the pipe that was in the store as well that she wanted to yes. get the ceremonial mm -hmm. pipe? I think yeah. so. Yeah. So those moments, yeah, those were emotional for me. Other than that, though, I didn't have an overly strong emotional reaction although i can tell amber lee is thinking of something yep. that she had a strong reaction to when and i'm going to say it wrong but mimi the grandmother's friend died oh yeah i was devastated yeah because i loved their the, interactions the fact that they were going to fake a heart attack and then, and then she, she had actually one. had a heart attack oh yeah I, I i imagine the the survivor's guilt that many of those young people are going to have to endure in the future it's it's that that uh, like even just thinking about it i wanted to yeah. tear up because i was just like no they were so funny and they were so hilarious. adorable yeah and i loved their little competition and like but like they had each other's backs and now there's just one of them well, and I love that the car was left to Donna's, but essentially left yeah, to Perry. Perry yeah. yeah. Because Perry loved that car. Yeah. So I had I had emotions. My emotions were strong with this one. Any other parts that made you emotional or not emotional, Sarah? Not really. Okay. What do you rate emotions then, Sarah? Um, like a 6.5. Okay. Kim. 10. I give it a 10 as well, mostly because I can feel the tears thinking about that. Just going back, thinking about it. Readability. I, I give it a 10. Like I give it a 10. Automatic. I, I, it's it's easy to read. What about you, Sarah? And compare it to the one you're currently reading. No. <laughs> no, I, I would give this one a 10. This is actually a book that I managed to to read in not one day because I started late in the day on one day and finished it the next day but it was like within 24 hours which even with good books or interesting books that I've been reading lately I haven't been able to do so it it did keep my attention made it all the way through and yeah I mean again I guess there was that bit of confusion I had at the end where I wasn't quite sure of all the details but whatever it, it's not enough to really impact the score I kind of interpreted it as the Scooby-Doo kids were running around. You weren't really supposed to know exactly what was happening. It was just a lot of scurrying here and scurrying there to get things done. Or, you know, you run too fast. Yeah. And at that point, you yeah. had overwhelmed the brain and hadn't processed. You were overwhelming your brain. One of those two. Um, style. I feel like she has a distinct style. Oh, I think she does. When I can hear, because and this would tie back in if you didn't listen to Firekeeper's Daughter, I listen to a lot of uh, Native American TikTok. I hear Ojibwe when I listen to this. Yeah. I, I I can hear the cadence of the words. I can hear, and I'm, I'm not even talking about the Native American words that are in the book. I'm talking about the cadence of the way she writes. Yeah. Um, it sounds like I listen to when I listen, when I come across Native American. The voice is distinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did see a review and somebody's like, why is she always pointing with her lips? I don't understand this. And it's so funny because it's it's talked about on TikTok all the time yeah. that, you know, the whole, you know, you, you point with your lips. Point with your yeah. Lips. And, and they're just like, and I'm just like, well, you know, if you don't understand, you don't understand. Um, but it is very much a thing. So, yeah. you know, accept that it's a thing and shut up. So um yeah no she has a very distinctive style i, I now do like a stewardess point <laughs> or a chin point 
I, I hate doing a singular point. I always feel bad when I accidentally singularly point at someone. Oh, so you do two fingers? I do two fingers. Or like, even if I'm pointing them in a direction, I usually use two fingers just to like, be like, it's over that way. Um, or I will head nod or chin. Like, I, I just like, there's something about being like, it's over there. That seems so like accusatory. Yeah, that's because we, we had yeah. our fingers waggled in our faces when we were children. Yeah. So I, yeah, I do the stewardess like this way now. <laughs> Anyway, Sarah looks done. She does. Any thoughts on style, Sarah? Or is your brain all smooth? My brain's not smooth. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't really know that I have anything specific to say about style. I don't, I don't know that I would recognize the specific author's writing unless... Even if you told me the name, I I might not immediately put it together because I also didn't remember the author's name. Um, but I don't. It's it's good, whatever. But I don't really okay. have any strong thoughts about it. Well, you rate it then, to be honest. Fine. Uh, Should you just rate it sure. fine? <laughs> fine is it's not more a than number. fine i would say um fine is like a five this would be not a five this is more than that um <laughs> I, I would say like a seven seven okay kim a 10 i give it a 10 as well so chip away so this gonna be your so guys' Chippewa. highest rate is what chippewa is so Ojibwe. Ojibwe. Okay. I just know I just had looked at her bio earlier yeah, and it yeah, said yeah. it was Chippewa, so I wanted to be respectful for what I Chippewa. thought. Chippewas for what I saw. But my brain can't do this anymore. Okay, so Sarah gave it a 78.5, which is your highest? Probably we haven't really book. read many good books with this scoring system. What's really funny is your two highest books are indigenous books. Mm. Warrior Girl on Earth and then the Marrow Thieves. Those are the only ones that have been particularly distinctive that I remember. Um, I know that I find that interesting. And then we've read a lot of substandard books no. after starting <laughs> this numbering system. So, All right. Well, Kim gave this a 96. Yeah. It's a damn near perfect book. I was going to say, you just were shy of like four points. Mm -hmm. You could have given it a, oh, I a could, perfect I, 100. I could have, but I decided that I needed to be maybe a bit more, a little bit objective on some things. Me, on the other hand, was not hesitating and gave it a 97.5. Well done, well done. So its total is 272. It is solidly in the lead it is solidly in the lead i i think this it'll be a while before we get something this close certainly not so, our next recording <laughs> i was gonna say sarcastically i think it's our next one for anyone <laughs> wondering we're reading iron flame these two have thoughts uh, i'm gonna prepare you now they're not good thoughts so like if you like iron flame just hey. just be prepared or, you know, more I've only read like 100 pages. Listen. My opinion could change over the next 500 pages that I still have to read. Pages. It won't. It, it won't. What? 600 more pages, if not 700 more pages. No, my book only has 600 and something in total. Um, 623. And I've read 122. So. Oh, it's because it's it's got a higher word count than Crescent City. Yes, I, I was going to say, did you see that video? It's it's not that it's not as many pages. Me? No, no, it's, it's got a smaller font. So this is two hundred and fifty-one thousand words. First one, first one, Crescent City. How many words? Iron Flame has two hundred and fifty-one thousand words, and Crescent City has just two over two hundred thousand. Yeah. And is that the first Crescent City or the, the first, first Crescent one? City? Yeah. The second? No, first. The Crescent City looks oh. bigger. 
Yeah, but if you look at Crescent City, it looks like it's wider because they did a different they did a formatting. Font. Yeah, they need to start imposing like a word count on these types of books so that people learn to um, condense their writing a little bit more. Um, at least for this one, because oh boy, there's a lot <laughs> of empty thoughts in here. <laughs> I like that description. <laughs> Anyways, that's that a good started. way. That is our discussion for next time <laughs> on preview. Our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Book Pile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can support us on bookshop.org. Our link is available via our social media. You can also email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Can I just say something? That says podcast exist. Exit. <laughs> it's supposed to be exit, but it says exist. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Y'all spend more time helping me. <laughs> and there won't be those spelling errors on the back end. That is it. That is all. I mean, I don't see the back end, so how can I help you? <laughs> <laughs>